Okay, mate. Yeah, I'm up in Ningen, mate. I'm a real old bloke. And I uh, was looking at what you were talking about, smartphones there this morning. I'd like to know which would be the best one because they've got that much bloody rubbish on them. It's unbelievable. I just need a phone to talk on. That's it. Don't text. No, nothing. That rubbish. My name is Jim. Thank you very kindly. That's Jim. We'll talk to Jim this week on Your Tech Life. Plus, a great interview with legendary automotive designer Chip Foose. And yes, I bring it somehow into technology somewhere during the chat all this week on Your Tech Life. Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Episode 330 this week of Your Tech Life. We do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology and the LG OLED Challenge. Uh, if you want to see beautiful television, take the OLED Challenge today. Jump in Harvey Norman or somewhere similar to take the OLED Challenge. Now, a lot of news to get through this week. I'll see how much I can get through, plus a whole bunch of calls too. I don't know whether I've neglected you, but I've just so many people on the line. So we will talk any matter of topics from drones, photos, 4K, Blu-rays, iClouds, smartphones, you name it. We'll grab it. We'll have a chat about it. Maybe even uh, technical issues with your computer. Plus, so many things going on. The laws of cricket. I am. I have had a good look at now 4K Blu-ray. I'll tell you about that. Uh, I am an ANZ customer. That's relevant for those that have been listening for a while. Um, the Bamboo Spark Digital Notepad. I want to tell you about $99 smartphones. That has great relevance to uh, that voicemail there from Jim. But more importantly, if you've got a question or you've got a problem with technology, just jump on the phone. Do it yourself, 1-800-157-157, or go to the website, eftm.com.au, eftm.com.au. Um, love to hear from you, love to uh, have a chat with you about the technology questions you have in your life, and of course, happy to try and help and sort them out if we can. If I can't help you, we'll try our darndest to find someone who can, and as always, support the people that support the show, Garmin, uh, Satellite Navigation, and LG's OLED TVs. And, of course, jump onto iTunes, leave a rating because it helps other people find the show. And to the people, uh, well, the one person, there, someone had a problem getting uh, iTunes rating. I don't know why you would have that problem. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think it was Wayne. Now, if anyone has an answer to this question, keeps getting an error saying a different, um, the nickname is already taken. Try another. And he says he's tried five different um, or many different nicknames and no luck. So I can't find an answer. So if anyone can help Wayne, because Wayne wants to leave a five-star review on iTunes, even though he doesn't listen on iTunes, he's gone back to iTunes just to leave a review, and he can't. That disappoints me. Anyway, let's keep going. Let's talk tech. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. But
$599 is how much it will cost you to own a 4K ultra high definition Blu-ray player today. Um, Samsung's Blu-ray player is now available. It is on the market. Um, they've sent me one to play with, and I hooked it up to my LG TV. Now, I have an LG 65-inch uh, LED TV. It's not an OLED TV. And it's beautiful in my lounge room. I don't watch a lot of movies. I'll be honest. Um, we don't. I mean, to be honest, we use a bit of Apple TV, Fetch TV, ninety percent, uh, and a bit of Netflix and Stan. Uh, so I had this problem where I plugged the thing in, and I put a movie in, The Revenant, Leonardo DiCaprio, crazy, not the kind of movie I would ever watch because I don't get it, don't understand what it was about. But I was captivated. I was enthralled. It was beautiful. And I guess I wonder. Uh, so I, I thought, wow, this is unbelievable, unprecedented. I've never seen anything like it. What about the quality? Now, the next night, I put X Men in. And then I thought I'll put X Men in the Blu ray player of the Xbox as well. And Jesus, I am so frustrated by games consoles. I turn the, the Xbox on, it needs a 300 megabyte update. And then I go to the Blu ray player, and it needs an update as well. Seriously, why would a software update be required for a Blu-ray player on an Xbox? Anyway, I put the X-Men in, and I play it a bit, and I think, wow, this looks great, and I'm flicking between them, and in the end, I forgot which was which. Now, what I'm saying to you is, Blu-ray looks amazing. 4K definitely looks better, but to the average eye, maybe not groundbreakingly revolutionary 599 better. Um, it's, it's a very interesting proposition. And now the other thing is when you put in a Blu-ray disc, it says to you, you know, this is best viewed on a TV that has HDR capabilities, da 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 So the discs are made for HDR, uh, everything's made for HDR, and it would look amazing. My TV's not HDR. And I found that watching a Blu-ray seemed brighter than watching a 4K Blu-ray. And I wonder whether that's because optimally you would have a HDR-enabled television and get the most from that disc. So I, I'm going to get that and I'm going to find out. I'm going to compare. But I also think that with if you were investing in this, you should invest in the time to tweak your television settings to get the most from the picture. Without question, the resolution is better. Um, but I think because the resolution is better, the overall brightness is is in simply simple terms declined because there are more pixels, not less. And therefore, the pixels aren't combining to create bigger color. That's a really simplified thought process. Um, is it $599 worth? Hell yeah. If you've got $599 and you love movies, oh my God, yes. Um, so yeah, make it happen. It's beautiful. I, I'm quite glowing in my review. I can't wait to see a 2016 TV. I think it's great that we finally got 4k on Blu-ray and, um, hopefully a lot more to come. The discs aren't cheap though. You know, you pay anything from 35 up to $50 for a movie, but you do get a digital copy and a Blu-ray, normal Blu-ray copy as well with all the added features. Cause there's no room on a Blu-ray disc for added features. Anyway, Love to know your thoughts. If you've seen the 4K Blu-ray in action, let me know what you think. And more importantly, if you want one, are you going to get one?
what about this app? I got this email from Lords. Bloke, bloke's name was Chris Smith too. I thought it was the bloke from 2GB. Um, and it's called the Lords of Cricket. It's an app. Now, a little bit of research shows to me that um, the MCC, the cricket club based at Lords, Lords uh, own the copyright to the Lords of Cricket. They are the founders of cricket. And not until the ICC took over cricket did they um, lose control of the laws, but they still own the copyright. Now, they've created an app, and you'd think laws of cricket on an app, yeah, good, I can scroll through and go, okay, over, dead ball and extras, that's a section. Uh, what's a no ball? I'm going to click on that, and I can read all about a no ball. I can also bookmark that, okay? So I can, I can leave a little bookmark on that particular law so that I can come back to it because it's one I always need to reference. That's boring, though. That's not an app worth downloading, let's be honest. But the Animations app is sensational, okay? It is very, very cool. Now, the Animations app works with... They're like uh, cartoon animations. And they've done a very nice job of um, animating, um, you know, uh, the, the, the description rather than having someone host it. And the... Each description, each animation also has uh, a uh, uh, an audio description. Now, let me see if I can play you one here because you'll be impressed by the voice. Stumped. All batsmen fear being stumped and all wicketkeepers dream of stumping batsmen. So, let's be clear about the law. Stephen Fry. The only player who can stump a batsman is this fellow, the wicketkeeper. And so it's a very simple a stumping can take place computerized animation that the ball is legitimate, i.e. not a no ball. You can be stumped off a wide, however. That steps you through. Here, for example, the batsman the rule, the law. has moved out of his ground to play the ball, but has missed it and has not attempted a run. So that's uh, Stephen Fry telling you all about being stumped. And there's a whole bunch of um, laws that he has voiced the animations for. It's very good. And it's a very good learning tool. So if you're someone who's coaching a cricket team, uh, I assume not the Australian cricket team, I assume, you know, your local sports team. Um, what a great thing to have, honestly. But then there's a quiz. So you've got a beginner and intermediate quiz. You load the beginner quiz because I wouldn't know anything. Uh, if the captain is not available at the toss, who is allowed to deputize for him? And the answers are any official of the club, the club scorer, or a player nominated on the team sheet. I'm going to say... Hmm, a player nominated on the team sheet. I'm going to submit that. And it's correct. Yeah. So we can go through all of this. It's, there's a whole bunch of quiz. I think it's a great app. Uh, I recommend anyone involved in the game of cricket downloading it to have a look. It's called The Laws of Cricket. You can um, download it now. Just go to the website uh, of your app store, uh, the App Store or Google Play. The Laws of Cricket is exactly what it's called. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technology. The forerunner of 15 is a $199 sports watch. This is an easy-to-use GPS running watch with heart rate. So it tracks distance, pace, heart rate, and calories. Activity tracking counts steps and calories and reminds you when it's time to move. It's compatible with the FootPod for also recording distance indoors and has up to eight hours battery life with GPS on or five weeks in watch and activity tracker mode. So you can save, plan, and share your activities with Garmin Connect. Uh, it comes in a range of colors. Um, it's an affordable uh, runner's watch 
well worth looking at if you're into uh, into running. A nice little kickstart into the world of GPS tracking with Garmin. Garmin.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. Whatever's on your mind, whether you've got a problem with technology, you want to have a chat about technology, just get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Annette. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Really good. What can I do for you? I have a problem when I start up my Toshiba laptop. Uh, it's a, uh, a, it comes up a script with a script saying that I have a Babylon problem. Uh, now, so the computer starts okay, but it's after it started that you get that problem? Yes. yes. Okay. And, and what happens after that? Are you able to use the computer normally or? Oh, yeah. It just says, do you want to run the script? And I just say sometimes yes, sometimes no, and I have no problem. Oh, okay. Uh, with it, I uh, went through trying to find. Uh, I went in a search and said, "Find Babylon," like mm. as a, and it really I didn't know what to do. Okay, so I'll tell you what it is. It's somewhere along the lines of whether you've been on a website or you've installed a piece of software. It's installed this thing called Babylon Toolbar, which is a what we call an add-on, an extension. For your web browser. Now, do you use Firefox as your web browser? No, I use Google. Google Chrome. Okay. so And not even Google Chrome. I just use Google. Well, okay. Google Chrome is the name of the product. Do you, what's the name of the, of the software that you open up to get to Google? Uh, well, I just click on a... Um, what color is the icon know. that you click on? Oh, um... Use your mind's eye. Is it a blue E? Is it a orange something around a, a blue globe? Or is it a no, multicolored no. wheel of um, uh, like yellow, green, and red? I don't think it's any of those. Oh. I just, um, I have an icon um, and I just open that up. Okay. So what you need to do is you need to, you need to go into the, your browser. You need to open up the browser. And you need to look in the settings for something about extensions. So, on a, is it a PC or a Mac? Uh, it's, a it's a PC. PC yeah. A laptop, so, yeah. in in Chrome, they're called um, they're called extensions. I think uh, certainly in Safari, they're called extensions. But go into the settings of your browser, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And and it's yeah. there that you want to look around for how to remove these extensions because this Babylon toolbar is an extension now. Actually, one of the simplest things to do is probably, now that you know, that here's what it's called. It's called a Babylon toolbar. What you yeah. want to do is just, frankly, if you Google, remove Babylon toolbar, you'll get a yeah. bunch of instructions, okay? Yeah. Get those instructions, yeah. print them out if you have to, and then sit down and go through those instructions on your computer. But it's not a virus. It's not something that's going to cripple your computer. You just need to remove that annoying thing, and it's done. Yeah. Within the browser. It's not done within Windows. It's done within the browser itself. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Babylon Toolbar, remove that puppy as an extension um, and you'll be fine and flying once again, Annette. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Good on you. Good luck with it. And if uh, you've got a question about technology, just get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Got a question, want to have a chat about technology, just jump on the line. Uh, go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Greg. G'day, Trev. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Uh, look, I'm um, I'm actually uh, at a hockey club in uh, northwest Sydney, mm-hmm. 
and we uh, use like little camcorders to record um, our, our games for our men and our women. Um, but we're looking at a, a better solution for it rather mm. than sort of someone having to hold a, a camcorder or have it fixed on a tripod or something like that. Mm. Um, and I was looking at um, at using a drone instead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I like the look of uh, some of the videos that you've posted yourself and, mm. and some of the videos I've seen of things like the Phantom 4 and things like that. So uh, I wanted to sort of get your advice on what, what you sort of thought was the best option moving forward with it, that's all. My son plays soccer uh, in the winter, baseball in the summer, and I've always wanted to put the drone up and have a look. But yep. the laws are pretty clear. When I say laws, the regulations around flying them mm-hmm. are pretty clear. Now, as a hobbyist myself, I don't make money flying a drone, but as a hobbyist, there's a bunch of rules. Forget all the airport ones. I'll just tell you about your situation. You're not allowed to fly sure. over... Not allowed to fly over people broadly. Um, but certainly, there's a specific thing that says you're not allowed to fly over a sporting event. Now they're talking about ANZ Stadium there. Let's be honest. But for yeah, your yeah. for your game, um, it, it's it's a whole bunch of potential risks. And if I was trying to find a way to film one off, I'd say to you, mate, what I need is for every single person on the field to sign a form that says they're part of the flight crew and they're going to. Every now and then they're going to keep their eye on the drone and we're going to, you know, there's a bunch of things you could do um, if it, if there was yep. also no one else around. So it was just your team, you know, a couple of teams playing and you could put it up um, and maybe you'd get away with it. But in all in real reality, if some narc drove past um, and called CASA, um, they'd probably not be happy, I'll, I'll be honest. It's it's stupidly okay. annoying. Yep. Um, <clears throat> though I, I would say to you, if it's, if, if I don't know your club, fields but you know often the the fields are just on their own there's nothing else around so i i've flown at there's a park next to the gore hill freeway down at artarman which is clearly a yep. cricket oval you can see the pitch in the middle and i've flown there but i don't fly around much i just go straight up and kind of look around and look down and you know that's about it frankly if there was a game of me and 20 mates playing there i'd happily fly above it and and record it and you know share it amongst mates i wouldn't publish it online i wouldn't do anything like that um, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all because it's pretty safe um, and, and all those things. If you're doing it every single week, you'd need to be sure that every single week, every person in the area knew about it. No, it's, it might, it's probably more trouble than it's worth. Awesome for a one-off, I reckon, but yep, um, yep. probably more trouble than it's worth overall as, as an option yeah, for a... It also, like it, it? mate, also, the, the Phantom... I've got a Phantom 3. It has about a 20-minute flight time. Phantom 4, you, you allegedly 28, but bottom line 20 minutes and you really wouldn't fly more than kind of 16 17 before you brought it down so it didn't uh, suddenly land on the on the field so you know it's not even going to record a whole half so that's the other reason it's it's probably not brilliant as an option um yeah you know it all depends what perspective because obviously i love the idea of um the like recording a game of soccer, for example, or, or hockey, it'd be the same, you know, so you can look down and, you, and then you could look at it back on a big screen TV and say to the team, so here's the thing. And when you run through there, look at all that space over there and you can, it's a completely different perspective. And that's what's so good about it. Um, so as a one-off, I think it'd be a cool thing to film and, and kind of show, but on a regular, how do we record our games? How do we record our training? Far out. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough one. 
Yeah, it's sort of now that you've mentioned all that, I had not actually sort of processed all of that and, and looked that far into it. But now that you've mentioned all that, it sort of it does make sense to some degree that they would have regulations on it. Totally, and you um, can, I can imagine there yeah. are there are drone enthusiasts who play sport and they're filming their their sporting games now and then. Um, yep for fun or whatever, um, there'll come a time when that becomes more problematic because of the more people around or whatever. But right now, you know, as, a, as an in individual, a bit of fun. But if you're doing it like as a club, thinking how could we get something out of it, then you you start to hit upon boundaries that, you know, as soon as you mention this at the club meeting, I can imagine two old guys that don't want any drama <laughs> saying, yes, nah, course. nah, nah, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things, unfortunately. No, I, I, suppose, I suppose following on from that, I suppose the next question would be what, you know, maybe for another time, what's what's the solution you think that we could come up with that would be, obviously it's got to be low cost, but but effective for what we need to do. Um, yeah. And, you know, bearing in mind, we do have sort of light towers and things like that, but then you've got weather and, and all those sort of things that play a part in it too. Yeah. Look, the obviously the light towers are awesome because you can get height, but then how are you mm. getting up there? You're like, you, you can't yeah, get up there right. regularly. So that's, mm. that's an issue in it, in it of itself. Um, I would have thought that, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, your fixed cameras on a tripod. I don't know. The, think about the cost of a drone and then think about the cost of like the biggest or best tripod you can buy to put a GoPro on. Like, and maybe you put like a, a, a super tall style tripod of some description. I literally don't know, but I'm tipping there's a solution somewhere that goes three or four meters in the air, not just one and a half meters in the air as a tripod. And imagine uh, it'd be pretty cool to have a, a GoPro on that. Um, you know, looking down on the field and then you can you, know, you can get the vision off afterwards. I guess my problem with trying to advise you on it is I don't know what you are looking, what, what sort of footage you want because I know thinking about like a rugby league training, I know there's rugby league clubs that use drones. Um, but again, they're in a controlled environment. They can get sign off and they're doing it. That They actually use a commercial operator who has to get approvals and all that kind of stuff. Sure, um, sure. So, you know, it's, it's really more about what do you, what do you want to get out of it uh, before you can determine what would be other solutions. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, look, I suppose um, for our own solution, we'd be looking at, you know, covering most of the field in, in one or two cameras so that we could review the footage and maybe stitch it together and, and just get an overall base of, of, of the gameplay and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, right down to, I suppose, you, where we could go back to using individual cameras for individual skill work and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's tricky, isn't it? It's it's one of those things where you're trying to cover all bases, but it might not be possible. You might be better to specialise in one and then specialise in another. Yeah, well, I think um, that the challenge with with one or two cameras is getting the detail that that you need so that you can actually then overanalyze a piece of footage rather than just getting a kind of bird's eye view, even from a, a long distance away on a tripod. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. I'd, I'd love. I mean, it must. Be, it'd be very, very weird to watch, but. It'd be interesting to see, you know, GoPro strap. Have you seen the GoPros you can strap to your chest? I think vaguely I remember seeing one, but I haven't you know, really... I think I've even got the thing harness thing. here somewhere. I think GoPro might have sent it to me at some point. You know, it's literally just a harness you wear and, it, and the GoPro sits right in the middle of your chest, um, mm. on the kind mm. of middle of the breastplate. And, you know, that that to me would be an interesting thing to examine. You know, what what are, what are you seeing as you run along? What are the, what are the um, obstacles around? I don't know. Things like that might be interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, and then also the other one is maybe consider, um, and again I'm showing my ignorance towards hockey here, but uh, over fine. the yeah. over the goal, I mean, imagine if you if you invested again, I'm talking about the money involved in a drone. 
You think about mm. the uh, one-fifth of the investment is just some mounts and grips that can then attach a GoPro to a strange place like the top of a goal mouth mm. so that mm. you're getting a you know, goals eye view of from each end. And then that might be something you can review much easier is let's look at it from this angle and let's look at it from the other side. Um, yeah, yeah. Might be I think one of our guys has been, has been using a pole because behind mm-hmm. the, the goal, the top of the goals is probably not the best option because if the ball gets hit above it and hits it, it'll, it'll destroy it. But Possibly, um, yes. <laughs> one, one of the options uh, one of our guys has used is on, on the fence above the goals. So it looks like a, a retention fence at the back of the goals to stop the balls going over the fence and down the road and whatnot. Yeah, so yeah. Um, he's attached it to the top of that and, and you know the footage is pretty good, but when, my, my sort of thoughts with the drone obviously was when you look over the top of a game, it's like when you're watching from the top of a stadium, you can see yeah. the structure of your That's opposition it. and That's the way exactly you're right. playing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's just a bugger so that you can't get up that light right. tower more frequently, or or have a fixed camera up there that you can just access remotely. <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of the things I was contemplating. Do we get a wireless one and just stick it on four of the top of the poles for the lights? But then on was sort of thinking, well, what about the weather and the rain and how's that going to play its part? It all, well, like to me, the, the fixed or, or um, you know, light-mounted cameras are the best idea, but then you've got to power them, you've got to get the data off them. You know, there, there's a whole other bunch of ball games there that become even more problematic. So mm. it's, mm. I think it's a really interesting one. I, I have no yeah. other suggestions, but I'd be interested to know whether anyone else does and I'll happily pass them on if they do. Um, yeah. and, and I'll keep racking my brain, mate. And if, if, if you need any other advice or you think of anything, then let's talk about it. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. To have appreciate your time as well, mate. All right, mate, no problems. Um, oh, we'll see what we can come up with over the over the time ahead, mate. Let me know what you end up doing if you do do something. I definitely will, mate. I'll, I'll let you know. Thanks Good on you, mate. Very much. Thanks, Greg. And uh, if you've got a question about technology, just jump on the website, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, summertime in October last year... And this will be old news to people who follow me on Twitter, I know. Um, I made a commitment to you because we were talking about Apple Pay and uh, uh, Amex were launching Apple Pay in Australia, not the banks. I was frustrated by it. I was annoyed by it. And I just knew it was a money grab for the banks just trying to hold up for more money or not to give away any money. It was just crazy. Anyway. Uh, I made a commitment that I would change banks to the first bank to launch Apple Pay. Apple Pay, as you know, launched with ANZ some weeks ago. And last week, I became an ANZ customer. On Tuesday, I walked into a branch. The branch staff were amazing. And within 15 minutes, I had an account. And three days later, I had a card. I added that card to my Apple Watch and Apple iPhone within a couple of minutes. And it's awesome. I love the Amex, but... It's not accepted everywhere. For example, petrol, I can only shop at Shell. I couldn't go to Woolworths or 7-Eleven for petrol. Now, I'll give you a great example. Today, um, let's delve into the life of Trevor Long. Today, I had to go to Channel 9 in the morning. Um, Then I had to go to Tuiwe at lunchtime. I had a meeting in Redfern after that. And then I had a, a bit of time to spare. And then I had an event in the city with Huawei launching the new Mate 8, which I'll talk about next week or so, um, in the evening before I came home. Now, I drove... um, Pretty sure I didn't know until I'd left Channel 9 that I'd forgotten my wallet. Now, it's not the end of the world, except I wasn't going home anytime soon. So, no, I realised on the way to work, because I wanted petrol. 
So I pulled into the Woolworths uh, at, uh, I think, Taramara. Um, I filled up and I walked in. Bloke didn't even look. He processed the payment and I put my phone up and I put my fingerprint on and it was paid for when I walked out. Yippee. Um, <clears throat> I, did, uh, I didn't need it at TUE. Um, I didn't need it for my meeting in the afternoon. But then here's the complicated part. Um, I decided I would park near the Park Hyatt down under the Harbour Bridge for two hours and walked into the city for an hour meeting and come back in the evening for my car. Two-hour parking, great. Parking meters. I don't know why my wife's texting me and why that comes through on the sound there. The parking meters don't accept tap and go. And I didn't have any cash. So I couldn't park there. Couldn't risk getting a parking fine. So I drove into the city. Thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll stump up the big cash for a parking spot. Went to a parking station, pulled up at the entrance and then ran to the exit and went, they don't accept tap and go either. So I drove out. Went to another parking station. Same problem. Went to my third parking station and found the exit and said, mate, do you accept tap and go? After some detailed conversation trying to understand that I meant I didn't have a card but I would still be able to pay, he said yes. And I saw the term and I could see that he, he, he accepted PayWave. Uh, so I went to the event, I came back, I tapped and go with my phone and I came home. Now, if I'd been pulled over by police, yes, I didn't have my driver's license. But bingo. Um, I was able to get through the day without a wallet because and still make payments because I had Apple Pay. It was awesome. It was just so awesome. So look, I'm just saying um, highly recommended. If you aren't an ANZ customer, you should switch. The um, the thing about this is I've had lots of people message me and say my bank's not or is or whatever. You've got to vote with your feet. And, you know, I've made my position publicly clear on the radio and on 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 Twitter and St. George Bank know full well they've lost me as a customer. They won't communicate with me about it, but they know. Now, it's going to take me some time to convince my wife to change all of our accounts, but without sounding egotistical, the, the big money that I have that, that comes through my accounts is going to be with the ANZ. So if they make money off having my money sitting there, that's where the bulk of it's going to be. Now, a spending account for my wife is just where the money goes in to be spent that fortnight. But when I'm holding my tax money and, and making payments and receiving invoices, it's it's unbelievable. So, highly recommended. I think you've got to vote with your feet. You've definitely got to tell your bank what you feel. If you want Apple Pay, and Android Pay is coming in just a, just a little while. So... You need to vote with your feet. If I mean, the banks are all going to launch that, but what about how, where does that leave iPhone users? So it's a very interesting little um, position that's coming up there for the banks. Anyway, would love to know your thoughts. Uh, EFTM.com.au. So the Bamboo Spark, you'll find my review of that at EFTM.com.au. It's a digital uh, notepad. So a little folio with an A5 notepad in it and a pen. Now, you can't just use any pen. Well, you can. You can use any pen to write on the notepad, but it doesn't do anything other than write on paper. (laughs) So you want to share your notes. You want to email a drawing that you did to 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 the people in the meeting. You don't take a photo of it. The Bamboo Spark has digital technology underneath the notepad and the pen. They sync together and it records everything you write. It doesn't need special paper. It's just the folio and the pen that matter. I mean, you write, 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 and then you press a button on the folio and it transmits over to your iPhone or tablet. And you can then share that as an image with your friends, family, whoever. And if you've got good handwriting, it'll even recognize that and convert it to copyable text. So you could paste it in an email. This is a $200 item. 
it's not the first digital pen on the market. It won't be the last, but it's actually the first that I've seen that's just a normal style pen and using normal paper. That's the critical thing. You can refill this with any A5 notepad from a newsagent, basically. Um, great little device. I think very cool for people who take a lot of notes at meetings and things. Great for people who sketch and want to share those sketches. Um, Bamboo Spark. You can find, read my full review up on the website. Uh, that is, as you well know, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. And we do it all thanks to the great people at uh, LG and their OLED range of smart TVs. Now, remember, OLED TVs aren't just something silly. They are the future of television. The future of television is here today with amazing blacks uh, and, and just stunning picture quality. And they're, they're challenging you to take the OLED challenge and meet the TV of your dreams. So pop into a Harvey Norman store um, and uh, see if you can uh, take the OLED challenge. The LG OLED TV side by side with another LG LED TV just to prove to you how black those blacks are and how it makes such a difference. And I have to say, sitting in a dark room earlier this week with a movie on, all I could notice was the greys on the screen where it should have been black and it really stood out to me. Amazing picture quality starts with the deepest blacks. With an infinite contrast ratio, you'll see detail in the dark scenes in movies that LED TVs just can't deliver. No other TV can beat the pure black of an OLED. So take the OLED challenge today. Pop into a retail store like Harvey Norman and see the OLED side by side. Um, you're listening to Your Tech Life. So I need to set this one up. Um, this morning I was on Today Extra with David uh, Campbell and Sonia Kruger. Uh, lo lovely, lovely people. I love doing that show. I took in with me four great mini smartphones, $100 smartphones or less. The um, the idea was to demonstrate the smartphones under $100 are great. They're not amazing. They're just great. And I took th uh, four of them in with me. Uh, an Alcatel Pixie from Optus was $69. A Samsung Ace J1 Galaxy something or other from Vodafone. Uh, Vodafone's own, um, uh, sorry, Telstra's own 4G Buzz, 4GX Buzz, and a new one, Alcatel Pixie First, which is now available for 100 bucks at Australia Postals. Um, I had them all there. I passed them around. David took some photos, and we talked about these phones. They're great. I'm honestly, the Samsung Galaxy Ace is, for 100 bucks, unbelievable. Really, a great phone. The Pixie, um, probably not the best camera on the market, but still a beautiful little phone, snappy little performance. And it was a good segment, I think. You can watch it on the, on the interwebs. I tweeted a link to it. Um, here's the thing. So I've got this uh, uh, voicemail system here. If you call me and I'm not here, which is any time but Tuesday night, um, you, get a, you leave a voicemail for me. And um, I got this voicemail. Yeah, okay, mate. Yeah, I'm up in Ningen, mate. I'm a real old bloke. And uh, look at what you were talking about, smartphones there this morning. I'd like to know which would be the best one because they've got that much bloody rubbish on them. It's unbelievable. I just need a phone to talk on. That's it. Don't text, no nothing, that rubbish. My name is Jim. Thank you very kindly. So, you know, I thought I'm going to get Jim on. So I got him on the line. G'day, Jim. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Uh, I just wanted to see that piece on the telly with you this morning. Yeah. And uh, I'm just after a phone that... With all the, with the not 
too much rubbish in it. Yeah. So, now, have you got a mobile phone already? Yeah, mate. It's about 20-odd years old. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I reckon. My mum, who is not your vintage, but, you know, she's certainly pushing onto it, um, she's just got a flip phone. You know those, uh, you might have seen them all the time, you know, people flip them open, there's a screen on one end and the button's on the other. Yeah, that's, that's all. Well, I've had for years. Oh, well, you can still get those, mate. You can still get them. Telstra have one called the Telstra Flip. It's $109. It'll do everything. In it. It's also blue tick, um, which means it'll work in regional areas. Bob's your uncle. Again? It's called the Telstra Flip. Are you with Telstra on your mobile account? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. That's all you need, mate. That's all you yeah, need. Yeah, used to have Optus out here, but we had to give it the flick because it wasn't working properly. Oh, right, yeah. Well, yeah, mate. Go, just, where's your nearest Telstra store? Uh, Dubbo. When are you going there next? Uh, the 26th of uh, this month. Well, there you go. Spare an extra half an hour. Don't let them sell you. Are you do you just pay by the month for your phone or what, what do you got? Yeah. Yeah, I have a $40 one on. Don't let them upsell you on a contract. Don't let them sign you up to a thing. Just say, listen, I just want to buy a phone, and you say outright. I want to buy a phone outright, and you you tell them that I said Telstra Flip, $109. Good lad. You're a gentleman on the screen. All right, Jimbo, thanks for watching the Today Show, mate. Thank you very kindly. Good on you, buddy. And if you've got a question about technology like Jim, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology, if you've got a question, a problem, or you just want to have a chinwag, uh, anything about technology, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Rob. G'day, Trevor. How are you, mate? Very well, my man. How are you? What's happening? Good. Mate, I just want to chat to you about iCloud, if I could. Yes. Um, I want to know, if you're running iCloud across multiple devices, obviously your, your iCloud allowance doesn't increase based on how many devices you own. Does it? <laughs> I don't no. even know that. <laughs> So you only get you only get a the basic amount per ID. So if you if you have one ID, that's right. And if you got if you that's what I mean. If you've got one ID and you use it on yeah. five phones, you've still only got like fifty five meg or whatever the hell the minimum is now. Yes. But uh, yeah, that's so you right. got you got to shell out for the big bucks. You do, and that that's not so much the issue. But what I want to know is how do I manage? Because obviously it's backing up. Your, uh, your devices to that. Yeah. Is there a way you can delete previous backups yes. to free up space? So I've got several issues with your with your question. Let's yes. let's answer your question first. Uh, and the answer to that is yes. If you go into uh, iCloud on your smartphone, and then go to backup, and then uh, no, it's not there. Where is it? Gee whiz, iCloud. Oh, iCloud, and then storage. Then it says manage storage. So I've got total of 200 gig because I pay, and I've got available yep. 48. When I click on manage storage, it loads for a while, and I can see, mate, six different devices here. And all I've got to do is go, well, hang on, uh, Trevor's iPhone 6 Plus 20 gig, and then Trevor's iPhone 6 Plus this phone. So they're two different, de- they're two different backups, but, you know, I don't need this, the old one. I can click on the old one, and I just go delete backup, and yep. off it goes. Now, okay. I'll be honest, I've had problems doing that where it says, no, you just can't. So you might have to muck around with it a bit. But in essence, the the idea is that either via the app or online, you can delete older backups. But then the big question is, why are you running one iCloud account across multiple devices? 
Well, I'm running. I'm only running my ID on two devices, being my phone and iPad. Yep. The, the that's, other, that's perfect. My wife's phone is. She's got her own ID, and my kids' iPads they run their own IDs on theirs too. Yeah. So that's that's the perfect way to do it. Except with family sharing, you can't family share a, a, additional storage. Yes. So when you buy, so I've bought the extra storage, and that doesn't help my wife at all. No. So I guess, I guess it's, so. If you if you're deleting a backup, mm. if you're deleting the backup before you, you you're sort of leaving yourself in limbo land for a little while. You, if you no, because you, you should be deleting. You shouldn't be deleting your current backup because that's just got to be there. And if you don't have enough space for your current backup, you need to buy more storage. Right. If you've got a like a 128 gig iPhone and you've only got 50 gig storage, you gotta you gotta get more storage. I mean, simple well, as that. that. Makes sense. Well, that that makes more sense. But you know, the, and that's the problem is you know they've they've built it for you know the basics of storage, not not um you know the high end of town. It's just that's just life. You're just going to need to buy more storage. And the problem is to remember that you have to buy it for every account. But let's let's not kid ourselves. The kids can go without iCloud backups. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of course. I guess it's it's because you I use Google Google Photos as my primary photo backup source. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Backup. Yes. Yeah, so I don't. I don't need iPhotos as such. So I guess if I could t- turn that off. Well, if you turn that off, that's going to help. Um, for example, <clears throat> but I think, let me check here. Um, yes, yeah, because your iCloud and your backup. So I've got 62 gig of backups and then 85 gig of iCloud photo library. Yeah. And then a bunch of little documents and things. So the iCloud photo library, if I turn that off, is going to save me some serious chunk. And you can just click disable and delete right on that. Now, now, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but I, I remember you turning iPhoto, sorry, iCloud off for photos a while ago. And mm. I think that brought up a, 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 some sort of alert message that gave me some concern. Um, well, I mean, you should be concerned. Be alert, not alarmed, mate. <laughs> Again, yeah, I can't remember what, exactly what the message was, but anyway. If, well, um, you just got to run the risk, right? The, the thing here is if, you, if you're happy that your photos are all backed up to Google, then yeah. whatever that message, just get rid of it. I mean, it's going to warn you because it's the it's the iCloud photo is the 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 heart of iCloud. It's how you know your devices are all meant to synchronize and share photos and all that exciting stuff. But you know that's why they'll alert you heavily not to turn it off because they don't want you to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very good. Although good luck. That, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's an ongoing thing. This backup process. Exactly, and mate, it never ends. I'm still backing up my. Uh, proper home photo library to Google Photos because when I uploaded my home photo library to Google Photos, it didn't upload them as photos. It just uploaded them as files in my Google Drive and it doesn't automatically right. convert them into, oh, it's just stupid. So I'm still yes. going, I'm, I'm burning hundreds of gigabytes of, you know, my really slow upload internet to uh, yeah. to upload all my photos. So Yeah, in the same process. It's, a, it's actually quite a good good system when you when you got it up and running when, once you do it if you sit down and go comprehensively and i've got a little bit of time on my hands now so i've been able to do that i've just gone right i'm i'm happy with the structure of google photos i love the facial recognition i love everything about it i've got all my photos here on a, on a storage drive i'm just going to upload them i'm just going to take whatever time it takes might be two months i'm going to let it upload yeah. and bob's your uncle it'll be done and and i just can't wait till it is because having the ability on a smartphone or any other computer just go off oh, let's find a photo of you know whoever 
And yes. there it is. It's, oh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. The fa- the facial recognition blows my mind to the to the yeah. point where. <clears throat> so here's a great example. Um, Mark Webber. <clears throat> now, Mark Webber is uh, you know superstar Formula One driver who I've met once and or twice probably. I was interviewed him in, in Melbourne years ago, and then I met him at a Red Bull thing. And so I've you know ta- I've I've seen him in my you know people list and uh, tagged him. So if I, where is he here? I'm just looking at my library. Uh, Mark Webber. If I click on Mark Webber, there are photos here of him. When I took a photo of my television of him winning the world championship uh, in the in the sports cars, there's a photo of him being interviewed on the Formula 1. Just when I've taken, there's a photo of him in, in the Google Photos because his book is on my bookshelf and I took a photo of my bookshelf. I mean. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Mate, it's awesome. It's just the, the ability when you when you want to get a photo of someone that you you know that you haven't seen for a while or or you catch up with, um, it's just just unbelievable. And the fact that locations as well, you know, you can be somewhere and go, well, there's the photo when I was last at that location. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Good luck so, with no, your no, iCloud, butter. <laughs> no, thank you, mate. It's always a work in progress. Rightio, don't trick anyone tonight, okay? Back to you, buddy. <laughs> You're good, man. See, ya. See you, mate. Uh, if you've got a question or uh, want to have a chat about anything technology, go to the website, eftm.com.au. Here with Chip Foose. Welcome to Australia. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. You've been down under before? I have. I think this is my third or fourth trip down here. What brings you down under? There's a big car show this weekend. Is that the highlight? Is that the, will, the focus? I will be here at the car show, but I'm also a guest of 3M. I'm a spokesperson with 3M and... Uh, you know, I'll come in and I'll speak with some of their customers and uh, talk about their products and uh, do some sketches and customer appreciation days. I end up, actually, I do 12 different countries a year with 3M. It's like a world tour. <laughs> yes, it is. And this is the uh, kickoff of 2016. So help me with the 3M link then. And again, for a non-massive, I'm not, I'm not, I loved watching Overhauling, watch every show I could, right? Love cars, but I couldn't couldn't tinker if I tried, right? So I wouldn't know what a 3M product does. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, I've always, I've, I've said it in the past that 3M makes everything it takes to build a car except the parts you need and the labor. Oh. I mean, and, and they don't create paint, but, uh, you know, it's amazing how many different products you use of 3Ms when you're building a car. You, you, you do amazing sketches of cars, and there's, uh, I think, six beautiful sketches of Aussie cars in there that you've Thank done. You. Um, I've taken photos of those because it is, it is rare to see an Aussie car sketch like that. I, there is a guy in Australia called James Bailey. He runs a, a business called Stomp Impressions. He did a beautiful sketch of my father's car. It's the only time I've seen sketches like that before. So it's cool to see Aussie sketches like that. W- were they done previously or were they just done off a photo of those cars? I, I did those a couple months back. They asked me to do some drawings and, uh, and everything you see in that room, I did in one evening. Well, that's the thing I want to talk to you about. You sat down here, you got off a plane at, at this morning, you probably came straight here to North Ride, and they sat you down with a, with, you've obviously got the most magnificent kit for drawing, uh, and then there's a guy here, um, Sasha's his name, he's got a 69 Camaro uh, out, outside there, beautiful thing. I saw you go out there, have a look at it, maybe five, ten minutes, and then you walk back inside. Now, you've drawn 69 Camaros before, but... That's a that's a color combination. There's wheels. You did all of that in literally 30 minutes, five extra minutes for touch-ups. Is that just second nature to you? It's just an easy, relaxing thing to do. I've been drawing since I was three years old, so yeah, it's second nature. I can I can do a quick sketch like that. I would love to spend 
at least an hour on a sketch, I can make it look, you know, professional. Yeah. That to me, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed when they say you got a half an hour because I can't, you know, really show off in a half an hour. You did a pretty good job. <laughs> what, um, you're going to go to the car show, there's a hot rod show on out at, out at Rose Hill. Um, you've been to Australia before, so you've seen our cars. And we have a bit of American heritage in our cars. You know, General Motors owns Holden. Um, there's, there's been a bit of a, a cascade down through, but we don't have Camaros here. We've got the Falcons and the, and the Monaros and things like that. Are there any Aussie cars that jump out at you as, as things that you've seen in your previous travels? Well, you've got some beautiful bodies here, and they're different than what we have in the States. What's interesting to me is that they're, they're four doors. A lot of four doors are really, really popular here. We love our V8 rear-wheel drive family car. Exactly. And, and I look at those and I think, wow, I would like to take a couple of these four-doors and turn them into a two-door and maybe even play around with the top and, and do what I would do to make it a car that, you know, the Americans would love. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's funny because we look at the four-doors and think, well, you can keep the four-door. Where's the two-door version? <laughs> but you didn't make it, so that's no. what I would want to do is make the it. The Monaro would be the most famous yeah. of, of the two-doors. And then Holden, in fact, brought the Monaro back to great acclaim for that reason. Uh, I, having watched the overhauling show, and for people that don't know, that was a show where you literally took a, a random uh, punter's car and, and in eight days uh, turned it into something magnificent. It always was. I mean... The concept of someone seeing either a you know a wreck in the in the yard or their thing they drove around and always wanted to restore turned into something beautiful. That look on their face must have been the whole thing that got you through those eight days, sleepless nights, as you've said. That's what it was all about for me: is making somebody's automotive dream a reality. Mm-hmm. And you know there were there's thousands of cars in people's garages and side yards that they don't have the money or the means to build their dream car. Maybe it was their father's car that they inherited. And someday, you know, they they want to give that car the respect and build it, but they've got kids in college or whatever it is, is is the priority for their money. Mm -hmm. So they're just hanging on to it in hopes that one day we're going to take care of this. And that was what my goal was, was to take the cars that maybe, you know, maybe this person is a great father or a great community uh, Mm -hmm. leader. And let's give back to somebody that's deserving and build their dream car. And for those people that do have what is their dream car sitting in a shed under a cover maybe, uh, and you mentioned earlier, you know, you'd be surprised if you tinker. Is it really just a case of just giving it a whirl, do it, trying one little part of it, keep chipping away at it over many, many years, but just chip away at it? Is that, what it's, is that the, the way that you're going to find that, that ability? I had to build my first car. Yeah. You know, everybody had to do it once. Yeah, yeah. And I was lucky enough to have a father that did it for a living. So I got to go to his shop, but to say that it's at the age of seven years old, I was building really cool cars with my dad would be a lie. You're making me with a nine-year-old feel like I'm letting my son down, okay? <laughs> at seven years old, I destroyed a whole lot of stuff in my dad's shop, yeah. but he was an amazing teacher and a lot, had a lot of patience, and uh, you know he's still my hero to this day. My father could do no wrong, yeah. and he taught me that if you put your mind to something, you can do it. So let's pivot to technology because that's, that's my, my bread and butter. I look at someone like you and, and I'm amazed that you're able to do what you do with your, your raw hands, both the drawing, the mind, the, the, the design that comes out. And then, and I, I do not believe for a second that there's any fakery in it, what you do on television is literally blood, sweat and tears putting into the cars. 
how is there any part of the the process that technology has improved upon over the years because it seems to me that you've just gone no no the way we've been doing it for ever is the best way to do it i can sketch it i know what i want i can put the tape down the side i can paint it i can chisel chisel away it's not like you've got a tablet a wacom tablet or something where you're able to sketch away and do easier drawings now is it it's still very manual uh, analog process it's still you know elbow grease getting in there and, and getting dirty and making things happen where the computer has really helped is if we're designing a one-off set of wheels or if we're doing a graphic and you can make spray masks now and CNC machines and things like that that have come in that allow you to actually produce parts and product right. based on a, on a design that you may have sketched and then taken into a computer so that part of the production process is essentially where technology is playing a role it goes even beyond you know just just making parts but if you're working with a car that maybe had a urethane front end and it's been sitting out in the middle of uh, a field and the sun has destroyed that urethane front end and you can't find one, well, maybe you can find another car that still has a decent one on it mm -hmm. and you can scan that with a laser and then go and have a, uh, you know, a computer-controlled milling machine mill that brand-new front end for your car, yeah. and it fits. So what about in your day-to-day? -day? Um, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, you running those things yourself or you got people doing that? Because it feels like it's you're a busy man, okay? I can't imagine you taking on projects that you'd want to do, you, you, you've got your time poor. How do, you, how do you bring technology into your life? You know, what smartphone are you carrying around it? And, and do, you, do you engage in the social media stuff or you just enjoy sharing photos? I have an iPhone 6. Uh, I don't personally do all my social media. Kevin uh, Putnam at the shop is my social media guy and he'll come out to the shop and say, hey, somebody's asking this question and I'll just tell him what I want him to answer. Yeah. He'll take a picture of what we're doing. He's posting it and he's been doing a great job because I personally want to keep my hands on the project and keep yeah. things moving. But I think social media is very, very important. Great way to get the feedback, really, from from everyday people, let alone um, a, a mass of people, to see you know progress of things. I've noticed that over the last few months, and, and he's obviously doing a great job just keeping projects updated. And here, I'm out of my my league. Here, there's a bunch of people here who are just. I mean, I'm a massive fan, but these people are overwhelmingly, they know every car you've built, they know the names, and I find it fascinating and amazing, but also they're able to follow that. Even though you're you know, 100 miles away in, in America, um, and there's no, no TV coverage of the cars you're building now, they're, they're following that on social media, and right. that's what you would find now with the show not on air. You would find people are aware of what you're doing even without a TV show. Yes, you're right. It, it's, it's an amazing world and industry. You know, when I first got into this with my father, you know, there were magazines that would put something out once a yeah. month. You get a magazine, you could follow the lead builders in the world. But now, you know, everybody's on social media and it's an instant world. A little bit of a uh, little bit of caution there where you're protecting some of the stuff in the shop so that you don't you don't overshare. My goal is to share everything we're doing. And as you know, I love to teach and I don't look at other competitors as competitors. Mm. I look at them as they have the same passion I do. They're a potential best friend. Mm. And I'll learn from them as well as teach. I'll, I'll tell anybody how, I'll, I'll teach anybody how to do something because mm. I believe the more you share, the more you're going to learn. Someone asked you here today whether, whether you ever thought about retirement and you made a fantastic answer that you don't work. You know, you, your, your hobby is your work, so you really, every day is a hobby. Is that is that the vision for the future? Every year is just a better year. It's another year because you're always doing something new. You're always doing a new creative project. There is literally no um, nine to five daily grind for you, is there? It, you could literally draw for life and, and just keep building cars. Well, I feel lucky that I get to do what I do. Uh, I would think 
if I were ever retire, then I'm just building cars for myself. <laughs> right now, I'm still paying the bills, and we got to build customer cars. Yeah. Have you ever been asked to come down? Uh, and it must be difficult. You'd have to say no to nearly everything that happens, really. But you've got a shop. You've got you've got a base in America. But things like overhaul, and I can imagine there was a lady here who's talking about doing their own show and that kind of thing. It it spurned an, it spurned its own little industry, really, of you know that style of. Uh, um, you know, renovate, uh, uh, overhaul cars. Uh, there's a lot of TV production out there going on. You must be asked all the time to get involved with that stuff. I, I do get asked. <clears throat> the interesting thing with overhauling is the fact that the network was paying to build a car and give it away. Mm. And that's one of the reasons that overhauling has gone away is they don't want to spend that money yeah. building a car to just give to somebody. Yeah. You know, that was, to me, the beauty of overhauling was we were making somebody's dream come true. And if you want to make someone's dream come true and then invoice them at the end, it's not really quite the same, is it? No, it's not the same, but, but what you'll find is the network's goal is just to sell advertising. Mm. You know, they need content that they can sell the, the, the airtime with. Yeah. And there's so many shops out there today that will allow the network to come in and film the cars that they're actually building, that that's why you see so many of these shows on the air where the network doesn't have to pay to build a car. Well, you talked about ideas you've got for, for future shows, and I didn't even know the process was you had to submit ideas to a guild and all that kind of stuff. You but don't have to. Yeah, right. And that's, that's what I learned doing overhauling is I gave the ideas to the production company under the network. We just started filming it. I should have owned them. So what you do that so that you own the idea and the show, right. So do, do the Netflixes of the world become an interesting proposition for the future? I mean, it's interesting. You're not a TV guy, right? You're, you're, you're a designer and a car builder, but you would have so much knowledge of television, especially cable television, and how the networks work over and above many others. Do you think that you know, shows like, or companies like Netflix, and we've got several others here in Australia, are a potential? I know that Netflix, when they did their initial buy from Discovery Channel, which overhauling was a part of it, yeah. that was $40 million that they paid for the shows that they used on net Netflix. I don't know what the percentage was that went to overhauling, but yeah. If I had owned a piece of that, it would have been great. Because they're, they're commissioning their own programs now. You know, you've got uh, the, the old Top Gear boys. Uh, they announced last night they're calling their, their new show The Grand Tour, uh, and that's going to be on Amazon. So do you think that there is potential for your Amazons, your Netflix of the world, to commission specifically the style of shows that you're thinking about, mate? Potential, yes. I'm, I'm looking into that as well. Yeah. It's pretty cool, really, when you think about it. The world has changed so much with technology and streaming and all these things that it actually creates whole new opportunities for you, people. You don't have to be home on Tuesday night by nine o'clock yeah. to see your favorite show. Yeah. Whenever you get home on any night, you can just punch in what you want and it comes up. You mentioned you watch TV with your wife. Are you a Netflix or an Amazon style user or are you still flicking through the network TV? My wife will, will record the programs that she wants to watch yeah. or bring it up on Netflix. And when I come home, I just want to spend time with my wife. Half the time I fall asleep next to her, but. <laughs> <laughs> How long are you in Australia for? Uh, I'm here until the 16th, so five days. Okay. That's a very short space of time, and you're not going to really get to see anything, are you? Do, do you get a half a day to yourself to look around? Do you, have you been a tourist in this city? They were talking about doing a walk over the bridge. The, the bridge climb. Yeah. But uh, I, I actually wiped out my knee in December. Oh, yeah snow skiing so I, I told him I said I'm not really going to look forward to doing that well, you know the thing you should do is let's take that time and at least get at least stand around the city there and have a look because it's, it's a pretty magnificent place and then on a whistle stop tour like that uh, it's the kind of thing that at least gets you an appreciation of how beautiful this country is and they put me up in the in the uh, the hotel in my room 
out the window, I see the bridge yeah. and I see the uh, opera house yeah. and it's phenomenal. The first thing I did is took a picture and sent it to my wife. <laughs> There'll be cruise ships coming and everything. Chip, enjoy your time in Australia. Have fun at the show on the weekend and thanks very much for the chat. My pleasure. Thank you. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Uh, episode 330 here on Your Tech Life. Jump on the website if you want to get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Anthony. Uh, good evening, sir. How are you? Oh, sir, I am very well. Now, there are two questions I'd like to ask. Mm -hmm. One is about 7HD, and the other one is that a discovery of my uh, optical drive having four layers. Wow. Let's deal with the first one first because it's probably not something I can help with. What, what's the question? Well, I noticed uh, my mum's TV started to automatically tune to 7HD, but it seems to be playing 7Mate while the 7Mate signal is standard definition. That is exactly what it should be doing if you're in Sydney. I'm assuming you're in Sydney? Oh, absolutely. So 7HD, channel 70, in Sydney, um, Perth and Brisbane is 7Mate, right? So the content of that channel is 7Mate, and then channel 73 is 7Mate in standard definition. In Melbourne and Adelaide... Channel 70, 7HD, is a simulcast in high definition of the main channel, Channel 7, because that channel is where the AFL is. And in Sydney, uh, Brisbane and Perth, the AFL is on 7, mate. So uh, uh, is 7, mate, I mean, because it sounds confusing because it's on yeah, it is. the number 70, which yes. identifies with the main channel. No, and it doesn't. Uh, so that's what they've done is they've – it doesn't say Channel 7 anymore. It just says 7HD. And so basically what, what you've got to understand here is it's, it seems confusing uh, when you think about it, but here's the logical answer. The logical answer is whenever they want to run an ad about the AFL, they can say, and you can watch it in high definition on 7HD. And that applies in Sydney and in Melbourne. But the channel, like you'll never get My Kitchen Rules in HD in Sydney. Ah, right. That's a bit silly. Well, it's the AFL. It's, that's how sport dictates uh, our lives. <laughs> but, the, but, 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 but that's just really just a name change rather than a... Um, well, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a name change and a content change because obviously they moved the HD channel from 73 to 70 and then they renamed uh, the HD channel 7HD instead of 7Mate and they left 7Mate on 73 as standard definition. Now, if you followed all that listening at home, you are a Rhodes Scholar. Well, you know, it's it's a bit. It seems like a, how are they going to put all these channels onto the spectrum? So many channels, and, I, and I, I've deleted. Well, the here's how they channel. do it. Here's how they do it. They get the they get the new channels and the and the full HD channels on the spectrum because they use what's called MPEG four, and you've got to have a newer television, likely around three to four years or, or younger, to receive the new channels because they take up less space in the air, so they actually use less spectrum. One. HD channel in the old book, so five years ago, is as big as two HD channels today. So they're able to squeeze more in. But we won't have it. I, I, I can't foresee, for example, ultra HD uh, Never. transmissions. Never. I don't think they've got the equipment. Oh, the no. Spectrum. The, the equipment could exist. The spectrum could exist, but they would only have one channel. And that's not, uh, not going to make them any money, is it? No. Um, the other question, Trevor, is you've been talking recently on the air about the, uh, what do you call it, the new 4K Blu-ray Blu -ray, player. Yes. Now, this is not a 4K Blu-ray player, but I was thinking about the 
optical disk drive that I use to store my lecture notes and all that. And I, I use Blu-ray because it's a, quite a high-capacity disk. Right. And I noticed that it says that it can play back triple-layered and quadrupled-layered or burn triple-layered and quadrupled-layered Blu-ray disc. And I was wondering, if setting aside the software in the computer, is it possible that the 4K Blu-ray is a three-layered and a four-layered disc? Mm. And if in future some boffin develops a computer program for uh, 4K display, can I use that 4K, uh, can I use that uh, optical disc drive? I wouldn't put it past the boffins doing a lot of work in this space, but... No, I would. Say, so what? Here's uh, this is the one I don't really know the answer to, but let me give you my idiot's view. <clears throat> 4K <clears throat> is more about the compression technology they've created to store the video on the disc than a change in the disc format itself, right? So what they've done is they've created a compression format that, and in the same way that we just talked about the HD channels and the and, and that in the future. And, and what they've done is they've created players that can read that and play it out in a magnificent 4K. And the reason, and the problem is that it takes up so much space that it's, it's at the capacity of the disc. There's not even room for bonus features. There's no director's cut. There's no nothing. Because, not even 3D? Uh, sorry? Not even 3D? No, because it's, it, all they can fit on is the 4K to the point where when you buy a movie, they give you two discs. One is Blu-ray. One is Ultra HD Blu-ray. So that you can get all the additional features on the uh, on the Blu-ray disc, and then you can watch the full quality on the 4K. So it's basically a space issue and an encoding compression issue. Um, I don't think that consumer technology will will change much because it, it's not actually a higher capacity disc. Because I, I, I always thought when I read the earlier stuff from a, about a year or two ago, they said, "Oh, it's a hundred gigabytes," and uh, that. 100 gigabytes fits well with the triple and the quadruple layer. Uh, again, I'm really I don't I don't even understand the layers if I'm honest. Um, well, but my it, understanding it, is that it's that the, the 4K Blu-ray has not added capacity. It's more that it has uh, has added co- compression technology. Oh my god. I mean I mean in, you know when you think about television broadcasting say when it started in color in the 50s you know they just took advantage of the bandwidth and the uh eyes resolution can't, can't yeah. process any more than the color and that lasted for 50 or 60 years. Now you've got now you've got TVs at about 4 years old and they can't even uh, play TV codecs of today. Well that's right but that that's the problem with us being so demanding in these days about the the speed at which we we require the newest and latest and greatest technology now if if um there are there are set top boxes and televisions that might have that you might have bought eight years ago that will work with the new channels because they were deemed they were they were built to meet the specifications that the tv industry had put in place with this in mind but not all tv companies did that not all tv companies wanted to do that because of the cost potentially and so yeah they 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 haven't uh, really looked after the consumer in that sense. It's, it's disappointing, but um, but you know we 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 change our TVs every four to seven years, so it's not that long until it all just goes away and becomes not a problem anymore. Because it used to be that the government, like through the whatever department was in the fifties, to ACMA would say, "This is the standard you've got to use for television," and that's still and the they, case. 
That's still the case, right? That's still the case. The Department of Communications, uh, free TV, they set the standards, but there's nothing stopping, um, and I'm not using this as a disparaging example, there's nothing stopping Kogan from buying, building a TV in China that works today without any forethought for the, for the next potential um, technology. There are technologies beyond what we are broadcasting today that are already known, but you know the TV stations aren't even talking about it. So why would the TV manufacturers? Well, it's NHK chicken and egg. were uh, experimenting with uh, ultra HD TV seven that's, eight years ago. No, that's true, but they also have a diff- different spectrum arrangement where they where they have more spectrum available. We've got a bigger country, bigger spectrum issues, and therefore it's uh, a little bit more challenging for us. Anyway, I can't think any more. I mean, on I you. can, but I mean. I I think you've informed me, and I think you've informed your listeners. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for getting in touch as always, mate. See you, mate. Bye. Cheers. And if you want to get in touch, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. That's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Another week, another podcast, another two great sponsors, Garmin and LG. We've got some other great sponsors coming on board over the weeks and months ahead. Thank you for everyone's support. Thank you for your support. If you're on Twitter, jump on, say good day, wave, tweet, argue we've had some arguments it's all good at trevor long twitter.com forward slash trevor long if you're on facebook just search trevor long you'll find me um and of course if you're on snapchat snapchat au shout out to all the snappers that have followed me in the recent weeks um i really don't know but if you're timmy k i'm just looking at people who've added me by username not snap code timmy k um tom pap hunter jim w martin uh one two oh six 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 D H Ian Full D Cooley Tardis three I know who you are. Um Natty added me by phone number that's clearly my cousin. Um anyone else um for a shout out. Say good day. It's wonderful. I love Snapchat, it's good fun. A lot of product I'm trying to throw some product um not reviews, but you know, when I've got a product I'll unbox it on the on the old Snapchat. So follow me on Snapchat, uh, Trevor Long AU, or if you go to Twitter, I've made my profile photo, the snap code. I don't know if that's completely wanky, but it is a little, I know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. We'll be back next week.